Hey people, how you doing? See, second episode of Echo Chamber this week. That's right, two episodes in one week. Damn you blessed. Okay, let's get into it. So, this is the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 15th to the 17th of February. At number 10, still in the charts, the favourite. At number 9, Glass. At number 8, If Bill Street Could Talk. At number 7, The Kid Who Could Be King. At number 6, Happy Death Day to You. At number 5, Green Book. At number 4, Attila Battle Angel. At number 3, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. At number 2, Instant Family, and at number one, The Lego Movie 2. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably all knew that that would be at number one. Uh, Yeah, it's probably going to be around for a little while as well, I'd suspect. But yeah, okay, so this week we got a couple of reviews um, and a QA and a that went with one. So... Let's get into it, right? Okay, so when you first start off doing all these review things, it's really difficult getting on, you know, on the lists for the screenings and everything, you know. So when you start getting some, you're like, oh, man, cool. And sometimes the films aren't amazing. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get films like digital screeners and and stuff, and yeah, they're not the best films. But you know, you you kind of feel okay. I I should I need to go to show that I'm I'm you know what I mean? I'm committed to this, that I'm gonna do this. You know, so I got hit up about um. Fighting with my family And at first I wasn't quite sure what it was Then when I found out it's the um, it's the story of Paige The WWE wrestler As a bit like Oh, I, I don't know if this is going to be any good I, I kind of feel this is going to be a bad feel But I was like, you know what, I'm going to go though, because I need to show these people that, you know what I mean, I'm, I'm committed, I, I can I can review anything, do you know what I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be biased on my reviews and stuff, so I thought, okay, cool, so I, I went, and um, I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this film, so it's directed by Stephen Merchant and written by Stephen Merchant. Now, you know we all know Steve. Like Steve, like he 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 did The Office with Gervais, Ricky Gervais. He did Extras with Ricky Gervais. He then had his own show on HBO, Hello Ladies. He's appeared in a few films. Funny enough, he appeared in a film with The Rock. I think that was Two Fairy. So um yeah, so now he he's doing this film and 
hey, it's starring The Rock. So you've got Dwayne Johnson, um, Florence Pugh, Lena Headley, uh, Nick Frost, Vince Vaughn as well, who I was a bit like, oh, I, you know, I wasn't, wasn't expecting him to be in that. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. You had interesting people in it. But uh, I thought it was going to be corny. But, um, right, so if you don't know, this is the um, this is the gist of the film. So, Fighting With My Family is it's a biographical sports comedy drama that's based on a 2012 documentary, The Wrestlers Fighting With My Family. So it's depicting the WWE career of professional wrestler Paige. Um, so yeah, it follows um, Ciara Paige Bevis from growing up in a household of professional wrestlers to winning the WWE Divas Championship in 2014. Um, and it also depicts her relationship with her brother Zach. Because they were both competing to be a WWE superstar. So, um, yeah, as I said, look, you know, I thought it was going to be corny. And you you watch the trailer and, yeah, there's corny bits in the trailer. And to be honest, there is a lot of cheesy moments in this film. There's a load of cheesy moments in this film. You know, like using weird phrases, all of this kind of crazy stuff. I mean, one of the ones that gets said is, is I mean, is this dick me dead and bury me pregnant? I have no clue what that means. It's bizarre. It's weird. But it's it's kind of amusing when you hear it. And so you have all this kind of weird stuff and these weird things happening. And, you know, a lot of stuff gets played up. You know, that they're this oddball family and, you know, a bunch of weirdos. Uh, you know, they, they, you have all this stuff getting played up. But the weird thing is, it works. It really works. I, as I said, look, I, I didn't think it was, I was going to enjoy it. But I was laughing. I laughed a good few times in this film. Now, I know that, that if you listen to the Commode and Mayo podcast, they have their six laugh test. I have to say, I definitely laughed more than six times in this film. It, it it was it was funny, and then it also kind of pulled on the heart as well. So you have these moments, these kind of things, and you're just like you really found yourself rooting for Paige in these moments. You're just like, you know, gripping the seat, like, oh my god, no, that can't happen. Or yeah, is she? Is she? Oh yeah, she did it. Sure, you just found yourself really exhilarated and motivated. Like, 
I was leaving the screen and you heard these girls, like all these girls were talking like, I just want to go and start wrestling now. But that was the film. It's funny. It's like, it's like people talk about Rocky and how it's motivating and the music and the blah and running up the stairs. You know what I mean? And beating up friggin' the, 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 the guy and, you know, like forcing Adrian to be your girlfriend and all of that kind of stuff. But this had those moments this had the moments that kind of make, you know, you felt, oh no, it's all over, the dream is done, and then, no it's not, yeah, 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 so you were properly, you found yourself sucked into the film, like from thinking, I don't care, to, Oh my god, I care so much What is going to happen That's what this film does to you And as I said, look There's cheesy, there's there's a lot of cheese Like there's moments that I think are written In a bit of an odd way I think if, if if it had been another film You'd be like, that's not working That's dreadful. What's happening here? But for some reason it worked. For some reason it all came together. Like Jack Loudon, who plays Paige's brother, Zach. Zach Zodiac. Um, Yeah, he's Paige's older brother. You have to say that he... He kind of hammed it up a bit. He 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 definitely hammed it up a bit, but it didn't matter because it just it fit within the confines of this film. It really did. I you know, I don't know how successful this is gonna be. You know what I mean? I like who really knows. But it it worked. It really did work. So it it's gonna be interesting. Because there's a lot of people that do love wrestling. I mean I used to watch it back in the day, you know what I mean, with like Texas Tornado, Jake the Snake Roberts, Rowdy Robbie Piper, you know, like all of that, man. Yeah, I watched it back then. But now, I'm not really... I don't watch it. Don't watch it. You know, I was kind of interested because Ronda's gone over. But I'm just like, eh, I ain't got... I just don't have time. Don't have time. I did the, what I did the London Film Festival. A, a girl that I was talking to there, another reviewer, she was so into it. But yeah, I have no time. But... So you have these people that are real diehard fans. So I think maybe they will propel this film. And then it might catch with just a general general film fan. Because as I said, look, it's got these really nice moments in it. Like, um, Like the family dynamic worked. It's weird. It's odd. But it just works. So 
look, if you get a chance, go see this film. I think you will you will enjoy it for real. That I would say if you were a fan of um yeah, I, I, probably if you're a fan of like hot fuzz and stuff like that, you'll like this. You know, if I'd say definitely if you're a fan of the office and extras, I think this has got that kind of charm to it. That kind of sentiment to it. So you like it. If you like that rocky kind of film. You will like this film. So yeah. Go see it. It's um, fighting with my family. It's um, yeah, directed by Steve Merchant. Starring Dwayne Johnson. Florence Pugh. Lena Headley, um, Nick Frost, Vince Vaughn. So there's plenty of there to entice you, man. So yeah, go cinema, have some fun. You will not regret it. Trust me. Okay, so the second film this week is called Two for Joy. And it is from um, director, well, first time director and renowned photographer Tom Beard. Uh, uh, It stars Samantha Morton, Daniel Mays, Bella Ramsey, Billy Piper and Badger Skelton. Um, So the the, the kind of the story is... um, Two for Joy is a visceral and moving exploration of what of uh, one British family's life, navigating their way through grief in the years following their father's death. Aisha's uh, struggle with mental health is making home life increasingly unmanageable for her teenage daughter Vi. And young adolescent son Troy. Vi has been forced to grow up fast, caring for her mother whilst also trying to look after Troy. With no father figure and mother-daughter roles reversed, Troy has become a law unto himself. Excluded from school, he spends his days cruising the estate or fishing the reservoir. The tension at home is palpable something has to give the trio decide to take a trip to their late father husband's idyllically placed caravan overlooking the sea they befriend the holiday park caretaker Lisa Liaz his unhinged sister Leela and her daughter Miranda a family in the midst of their own drama. This is a portrait of modern Britain seen through the eyes of a family in crisis. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, I'd say, is it like, it's a downplayed, dour kind of tone of a film. But, like 
I think, you know, the filters that he used, the colours that he used, the very, um, like, the very kind of uh, discreet. But there always seems to be, like, the glimmer of something. Like, there could possibly be hope. You know, like, on a cloudy day, and do you sometimes see little peaks of sun? And you're just thinking, oh, will the sun come out? And it doesn't quite. And you're like, oh, maybe a bit later. Maybe tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the kind of feel you get from the film. I'd say that the acting is is really good from, um, you know, like, Moulton, Mays. They, they're really good. So, Samantha Morton is the mother. Daniel Mays is the, um, the holiday park caretaker. Uh, Bella Ramsey, um, and Badger Skelton are the, um, are two of the kids. Yeah, they're very good. And so is, um, the older daughter, uh, Vi. Um, who is, uh, Emily Jones. Yeah, she's very good. But, you know, there's not a lot of words, really. Especially for some of the characters. Like, um, you know, Troy doesn't really say a lot. Um, Aisha, the mother, doesn't really say a lot. Like, even the characters that do speak, you know, I, they, I wouldn't say they have an abundance of words. So, I've, I think a lot is delivered through their actions um, and probably facial expressions. But I couldn't see those. So I can't. I can't tell you for definite, but I'd imagine... That's how it was. Uh, but yeah. So so you have that. I think one person that was disappointing. I would say Billy Piper. Billy Piper doesn't. I do, She doesn't seem to really fit. The film. You know. Like her, her role. Her acting just seems a bit. Alien. When put with everyone else. Like, even though her character is a little bit different, you know, she's, uh, like, try really trying to project this veneer of, I'm amazingly happy, everything is great. Um, but even with that, I, Piper doesn't quite, yeah, I don't know what it is, she, it, she does doesn't quite fit into things, but yeah, like everyone else, the, yeah, the acting is really good. Um, we have some really nice visuals. You know, like the scenes on the beach. Um, there's a situation on a boat uh, at night, and yeah, we we get some really different kind of takes. On a situation there, which which are good, 
um like some of the scenes i think some of the the way the camera pans and things like that i i think that can be a bit like it, it it hinders the film in places you know like some of the shots aren't the best shots for that moment and you think you're kind of missing something in the way that it you know instead of following a character completely it kind of moves down to their feet and you're just like i don't know why we're given that shot like that shot isn't really doing anything for this scene so there are kind of moments like that and some of the story i i think you know it doesn't always make sense there was a q and a after the film uh which was um you know that was interesting to hear some of the thoughts around the making and that kind of thing but i think there are kind of moments in the films where i don't think you you kind of get what they were trying to do you know what i mean like there, there was people sitting next to me um i think their daughter was um bella um the girl that played miranda and uh th- i think the mother was saying oh i've seen this film three times and i missed this thing that kind of spurs on miranda's actions at the end and and you're thinking right if they've seen this film that many times and they didn't see this thing because i didn't see the thing you know especially because there are points where the film is very dark so it is hard to see so if people with good sight can't see this thing then you know like how would you know is someone with bad sight see these points you know so i i I think you know possibly they're trying to be a bit too clever a bit too like oh we're artistic oh look at the shot hmm you know and i think that does hurt the film in places and you also as well would say i don't know like it's not a cinematic film so it is good that it's coming, you know, hitting the digital streams. But it's like, it's hard to kind of pinpoint where this film sits, you know. Like, um, you know, if you're suggesting, you know, when you're suggesting films to people, like, when would you say to watch this film? That would be the thing. I mean, it's kind of like a Sunday matinee type of thing but then you'd also see it's one of those things where you you know i think it it kind of feels like one of those films that people have on in the background but you couldn't have it on in the background because you would miss a lot that is happening on that non-vocal scale so yeah it's a bit hard to kind of pinpoint the film like after watching it i you know to say did i enjoy it 
like I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I I just didn't really I wasn't connected to anyone in the film. You know, there wasn't that empathy or any anything like that. Which is a shame. But as I said, look, um there was a QA after the screening. So uh you can hear that now. And I think that will give you a, a deeper insight into um you know what is happening here. Um I would say if you were a fan of like Ken Loach's stuff, um if you were a fan of um Shane Meadows, if you like any of his work, um if you like Ben Wheatley's stuff, you know, like uh, the recent Happy New Year, Colin Bernstead, that I believe is now on Netflix. You know, if you like those sort of films, you know, Andrea Arnold, you know, that sort of stuff, then I think this is your type of film, you know. But uh, yeah, here's the Q&A. you because you've been working on this movie now for... Wow, it's about six years, if I'm right, from inception to screen. Um, I mean, six years from, I guess, my first short film, yeah. um, which kind of formed, I guess, like, formed the basis for Freud's character. Um, but, yeah, I guess that it's the amalgamation of kind of how, you know, mm. you, you, I guess all the idea, everything that you ever worked on kind of, just kind of splurge. Yeah, kind of comes together yeah. into yeah. this. So where, where did this come from? Where did the joint come from for you? Um, that's a big question. Um, everywhere, really. I, I guess I'd say, like, um, when I first started writing it, I was in a kind of, I was, I guess, battling with some of my own um, demons, and so it was quite a kind of cathartic, you know, way of just putting stuff down on paper, um, more to do with a kind of uh, a bipolar disorder, um, which is kind of quite a hidden, um, you know, it's quite a hidden um, element, with, and so I guess only people kind of really closest to you see it, and I think that's that was what was really important for me to kind of show on screen is, you know, it, well, they kind of, a very kind of true form of what yeah. But yeah, and then I was working with a, I was working with a, a, a kind of a drama group of, um, who were all care leaders, and uh, I was just kind of shocked by how many of them had been kind of taken away from their parents due to their parents' kind of mental health, um, yeah, mental, and so they, they were caring as well. A lot of young carers, I think, yeah. which is where they kind of um, young carers. I was just I, I was I was astounded that I didn't know much about it and okay. wanted to shine a light on it. And yeah, fantastic. And uh, Samantha, can you talk about getting involved with the movie? Was it was it Tom? Did you meet Tom and Tom? Was the thing that got you on board? Or was it the script? Um, I think I mean I I met Tom anyway through his um, photography. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was a script. He'd written a script uh, and sent it. And it was, I think it was the 
first, was it your first draft? And I was like, let's shoot it. Neither <laughs> <laughs> Demi, as far as I was concerned, it didn't need any faffing about, or it was pure. And I think because of my, my, I got a little bit of heartbreak because a lot of the time when I'm acting for directors sometimes now is that, and I, I'm not dismissing the story or narrative at all, but sometimes the, the visual art form of cinema is getting a bit lost because people haven't had enough time to, to understand that composition or maybe they couldn't go to film school. Or what, I don't know, or maybe they've been doing commercials so therefore there's been, there's been an agenda of what you're selling or how it's sold and mm. stuff on committee or... So to me, I just thought there was, there was going to be something so beautiful if we got to make this, whereby Tom's aesthetic and all the, his instincts behind the camera plus his just what I could read on the page from his heart, plus my interpretation would hopefully be some, mm. something pure, yeah. not contrived or homogenised or, yeah. you know, yeah. done by committee, I think. And it, so, that, so it was that. Yeah. yeah, I believe that extended as well to the experience on set. So you wanted as, as few takes as possible. You, you rehearsed and then you went straight into it. Is that, is that, is that right? Effectively, yeah, we, I mean, we just, I mean, is it, uh, Sam doesn't need many takes, it's only, it's only like giving you options, really, it's not, you know, it, um, uh, it's, it, yeah, I mean, that's one part of shooting on film, but also is, you know, instinctively for me, when I take photos, I know the image, as soon as I've got it, like, it kind of, you know, you get along in your head, and you move on, like, there's no need if you've seen it, I'm not going to try and get another angle. Like that's me and uh, Tim, it was about being in the room and just witnessing, you know, and that, and that it was something that was really important in the storytelling for me, was that you really felt that you're just in the room. None of the shots are kind of too set up to be kind of contrived, I just want you to be in there like almost, you know, whether you want to be in there or not, you know, you're, you're forced into that room and forced into that situation. Absolutely. But later on, uh, for example, in the, in the sequence on, on, the, on the sea, as, uh, as, uh, as, as Banjo Miranda get into trouble, um, as Troy Miranda get into trouble, you, you mix it up visually. It's not about realism at that point. Can you talk about that, that approach as well? I mean, I, I, for me, it's, I think that was to do, uh, me and Tim Siddell, who's down here, the DOP, um, we all, you know, it's, it's all, <laughs> Um, it's, it's really you know, we sh we're shooting on film, and and it's you know to try and show why you shoot on film. It's like you know what can we do in camera to to you know to present this medium as it's meant to be shown. You know, it's like I, for me, what you capture on celluloid is true and is I mean it. it I don't know. There's a, there's a there's a realism to it which. You can, you know, all that stuff is in camera, like what we're oh, doing. Okay. You know, all the, all the, all the um, twisting of frame, frame rates and burst, shutter bursts, and all this kind of thing. You know, yeah, yeah. And you know, we're not. You can't see any of that when we're on the monitor. You know, we're just going for it. And <laughs> just, you know, no, it, yeah. it's, you know, because you just know instinctively yeah. what film you trust in your medium, yeah. rather than going. For, you know, let's go for this angle, this angle. You just trust. You go with it. Magic of film. Mm, and, and I know you and uh, Tom have worked together before. So, was it a, a no-brainer getting involved with this? 
an ATM machine just swallowed my bank card tonight. So. <laughs> 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 Is that happened to anyone? <laughs> I've cancelled it, don't worry. Are you asking for work around? Can you give me money? Um, yeah, we worked on Tom's short film called Rags, which was about um, paedophilia, which is a, another uh, hard-hitting subject. Um, <laughs> But he, so he sent me that script along with his first short film, Generation of Vipers. And yeah. I don't really do short films, yeah. to be honest. And yeah. I always, I think saying yes to something like that is whether or not you can see something in the director and whether he'd give you future employment. No, but whether or not, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like whether you see something in them and you think that they've got some, an authentic voice and a talent, and I thought that, he had that in spades. And, it was just an absolute privilege to then obviously move on to Two for Joy and be in his first feature. You know, I think he writes so sensitively for his characters. He has such empathy for them. And he's not afraid to look at hard-hitting subject matter and tell it with such honesty and beauty. And I think um, for his first, first feature, it's such an accomplished piece. I think he's an absolute marvel and an amazing talent. Did you get a lot of her work for her? Did you get a lot of rehearsal time to to work on yeah, things? Yeah, we like? we had a we had a week's uh, about a week rehearsal, didn't we? And um, that was you know gold dust really because a lot of the time you don't get that. I mean, it's a rarity, and you know especially with the the three younger actors yes. to to get in a room with them and just to spend time with them and. For us to become familiar with one another, I mean, I'm, I've seen the film about three times now, and I'm blown away by the maturity of all of their performances. I mean, it was great to work with such established actors as Sam and Billy. It was a big appeal to me, but I was completely blown away by how intelligent they were. How, and it was great during the process of filming it, you could see that they, all three of them were like a sponge and they kind of really rose to the challenge. I mean, I, I know Bella's done stuff before, but I mean, Badger, this is his first, you know, you know first mm -hmm. job. And um, I think they passed the test with Saving Colours. And um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, Bella and Badger, I'll bring you in now, I mean, because these are incredibly complex roles. These are kids who've got a lot of anger, a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of guilt, a lot of grief driving them as well. Can you talk about working with Tom and bringing these characters to life? Yeah, well, with Miranda, obviously, there's a lot more than what you kind of see on surface level. So we were making a whole, like, backstory, and Tom was, like, really cool. It was kind of a collaboration, kind of delving into who Miranda really is underneath and I think I ended up knowing more about her than I know about myself. <laughs> 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 oh, it's, it's usual, usual stuff. Uh, how did you learn, how did you create the character, how did you create Troy? Because especially the, this, this performance, it's largely, you know, mute. So how do you go about doing that? Well, we had a couple of days, like, sort of, not really homework, but like, Tom gave us and said, you have to questions about like backstory which I think helped massively because you don't really know much you know what's happened there's nothing behind it like where's the, like my dad what's yeah. wrong with Sam and stuff like that so I think that helped a lot but yeah really yeah. the music yeah <laughs> the music 
the music world, what do you mean? The music? Well, we kind of, I kind of realized that a better way to kind of, you know, emotionally, you know, uh, explain emotionally, like, you know, I could talk, I could just say words at them, kind of verbal diarrhea, like, this is what I want you to do, <laughs> this is how they're feeling. But, like, that, you know, it's, it doesn't, I don't know, I, I felt, I made a playlist, and, you know, before, before we did a take, I would just put them, Playlists for the, the, the two specifically for them as a pair or for um, well I, it was well there was a playlist for two for joy but then yeah. they would each have kind of different different tunes to listen to oh, at wow. different times okay can you reveal any of the tracks you were listening um, to Apex Twin uh, yeah. Death in Vegas Sigurosa if you have any questions now for our panel please do raise your hands do we have any microphones we do we have a microphone. <laughs> I lost the microphone. I can't see. Does anyone have any questions at all? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Come closer. Um, Tom, and to everybody, well done on a really thought-provoking film. Tom, Tom, you've created one of my favourite shots on that centrifuge. I think I've never seen that in a movie before. Um, was the seaside setting... I've got two questions. Was the seaside setting your original location? And to Sam, I mean, how much... Did you meet many people with the same kind of condition that your character has in the film for your research purposes? Um, that trailer that we shot in was the one that I used to go to when I was a kid. And um, it belonged to well, it belongs to my best friend who was also kind of serendipitously the um, production assistant on the on the shoot. <laughs> it was it was one of those kind of very weird that's where I went when I was uh, a kid and that's where I wrote it. I wrote it from memory of being there and then ended up shooting actually in the trailer. Did you know you were going to end up shooting in that trailer as you were writing it? No. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but I wrote, I just wrote, I had it in my head and then, you know, it transpired and that's where we ended up. Like, I, I guess once, when, when you've written it about a place, it's very hard to try and shoehorn it into a, a different location. Um, it's in uh, it's Ringstead in Devon. No, Dorset. And Samantha, did you, uh, in terms of the research you did into the character, did you meet the people who have, have you suffered from the? Um, yeah, I think your job as an actor is to almost be like an inspector when you look at the script. If you're on a film, you're lucky enough to have all of it there, and then you can ask the writer lots and lots of questions. And if you've got enough time, yeah, it is your job to do as much research as possible if it's a topic such as this. You know, questions like, what are the pills she's taking? What are the side effects of that? How long has she been on the pill? How many hours a day does she sleep? Does she wash? How does she, you know, just trying to build up a, a before the film happens life. So that you you can almost like Groundhog Day have lived that before you shoot it almost. And I think the important thing for me when I in the past when I've looked at monitors on film sets is I'm watching the actors when I'm not on set. I sometimes look a bit before the action because it's like that's when it's really magic and then they get and action and it's not acting. I'm like oh it's a bit before the special yeah. I think anyway because they're not knowing the cameras on them. 
And I think that's what you should do as an actor. You should really, really, really do your homework. Um, the DNA, the bones, the roots, so that when you are in a film such as this, or you're in an environment such as this, you can, you can whatever is required of you, you can just float to it, you can just be it. So yeah, there's a lot of research and a lot of respect, because I, I would be lying if I didn't say I didn't have any mental health issues dealing with my childhood, you know, and I think that a lot of people do and have. So I think the film is massively important to me. My mother passed away just a few days before shooting, and it was like, do I make the film or not? You know, and I think, you know, art is really beautiful. Sometimes art and life are really, you know, like, imitate, you know, so, I hope that's Any other questions? Yes, please, there's someone right down here in the third row. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your mother. That must have been incredible to actually film it while that happened. It's a really question that everyone sort of thinks is really irrelevant. Did she pass her exams in the end? Sorry? Character that's not here within your oh. side, did she, did she pass her exam? Because that was the last slide she's got, no. I, I think she passes her French oral, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's doing that the whole time, but I don't know how science goes. It was really interesting, <laughs> you know, just uh, walking down the street uh, with um, reciting French, I just thought that was are you trying to expand into candidates with this? I mean, you've got a good chance. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, just, I, I felt, one of, one of the things, I, I'm obviously not a big fan of any ex exposition. I try to be so minimal with, like, giving away any backstory or really, in turn, like, you, it, it, you can read what's happening internally on their faces. But with Vi, I felt that using the French oral was quite a nice little insight into her, into her hopes and, you know, her dreams and, um, yeah, it, it was just a little device, I think, which kind of worked perfectly. Okay. Uh, any other questions? Yes, please, right here. Thank you. Thank you. Just outstanding film. Um, incredibly moving. And I just want to ask Badger and Bella, I thought you guys were so fantastic. How much training have you guys had? And, and how did the casting process work? How did you find Badger and Bell? Um, I was been part of the TV workshop, which Sam was also part of, which is in Nottingham, um, which is just kind of a, it's a charity and kind of audition you go, and that's just a, a Saturday thing, like one day a week, um, which is really cool, and they kind of train you to do film and TV acting rather than theatre acting, so it's not a stage school at all. Um, so that was the kind of only training I guess I had, and then I did some other stuff before, but then it was Des Hamilton, the casting director, and we went in, I went into the room, and I knew that day that I was going to have to do improv, like even before I got in there, you just kind of instinctively know sometimes what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, we ended up doing the scene, but then doing this improv, which I love. Um, so yeah, that was good. <laughs> Well to, be, uh, well, to be honest, I don't think any training or anything like that could prepare you for a role like this. I think it, you just had to learn it when you was there with the script. And I think it's just, I'm very lucky and happy that Tom picked me out of everybody else who auditioned.
the audition tapes, I, I kind of, I'm, like I say, going with your gut, I just kind of, I, I saw the images on the video and I kind of knew, like, there was no, there was no audition process as such, I just met with all of them and just basically told them they got it. I didn't, and I, 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 I it, was, it was just that, you just got to make a decision and you go with it, and that's what a lot of filmmaking for me is about, is about going with your gut and acting on impulse. And because, you know, when you're, when you're shooting for this amount of time, you just, you don't, if you, you don't dwell on things, you just move on and you move and you make decisions. And do you know what I mean? I was, I, I just knew. So uh, when you say this amount of time, how long was the shoot? Five weeks. Five weeks. Okay. Five, five, six day weeks. Five, six day weeks. Okay. And um, what were you looking for in terms of the younger actors? Were you looking for physical characteristics uh, as well as emotional? Just, just I wanted to be able to read something in their faces. You know, that's that's it at, at its core. You know, that's what that's what you're looking at on the screen and you know when you see someone and you, you, I don't know, you, I, you just know. You just know what yeah. yeah. And I just, otherwise, otherwise, yeah, dwelling on, dwelling on things, I'm ignoring, is, is going to, you know, just, you know, doubting yourself. Doubt is not a good thing on that. Bella's mentioned, I'll, I'll keep the microphone, it's fine. Uh, Bella's mentioned improv and how much improv was there in the movie and was it important? for you as a director, Tom, and also uh, for the actors to get to know the characters a little bit. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think, um, I don't remember a lot of improvisation, to be fair. I don't. I remember just looking at the, the scenes that we were about to shoot. The crew were really respectful of the space and the delicacy around what was happening, what we were performing, in regards to trying to create almost like a documentary style. So I was in, I would be in character. I, I stayed in the caravan next door. Billy stayed in the caravan and we just lived in it. <laughs> pretty much stayed in character for, for a while. I stayed in Weymouth. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be near the shop. <laughs> I do think it's like, um, it's there in the script, so it looks improvised. Maybe it looks improvised, but it's not. Not from my end. And then the stuff with Badger, our, in, you know, our intimate scenes in that way were just just going again and, and, and Tom just being there and maybe try it again and try it differently here or not very often. It, it, it just felt that Tom, you know, would, would create an environment with which we could be totally free and we weren't like, like I don't know, it was, it was a very beautiful atmosphere really in that just like very precious way. Daniel, it feels the scenes with Elias and the kids that there, there is maybe a bit more improv there, a bit more give and take with the actors. Or did we improv? I think the, 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 sweet, think the sweets was improvised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was very. It was all. It was yeah. all there on the page. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we just <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to think. Of the sweets. Think there's, you know, there's, there's moments, but it's. it's I think the stop at the step of the feet. There you go. That was improv. Oh yeah. yeah that was yours. And he's not the. When we dropped the kids off at the seafront, with, with myself and Billy, and oh, yeah. that was improvised yeah. as well. But there was there was a lot of kind of I think that 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 scene on the beach in that morning, like it was meant to all be shot on the sea, but the weather was 
too bad, so I had to rewrite the whole scene that morning. So I think a bit of improvisation was allowed in that. Yeah. But that, that's, that's just fortuitous that it was raining that day, we weren't actually out on the boat, and it just ties into the end, which she's desperate to get out on the sea. So, you know, those, this is a happy accident. It's also interesting that you, we start filming at the caravan park first, as opposed to all the home life. I mean, that was topsy turvy. I mean, like, that's just how the schedule was, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just how. Well, it was because trying to get into a caravan site, but not on the school holidays. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, there was, it was, it was, that was a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of planning. Well, we, we found that out when we were floating around off the, off the uh, Dorset coast at 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. It was freezing cold and we had to... <laughs> and that is, it's one of those moments where you kind of go, all right, this was a, this was a bad idea. <laughs> um, but no, they chewed through it and the performances were incredible, but like, you just couldn't, couldn't see anything because the light kept on the boat. Like, the, just kept on being floating around. Um, but so we ended up shooting in uh, a tank uh, in Pinewood, and um, yeah, to spoil the illusion there. <laughs> <laughs> Keep nice. And uh, Bella, and Matt, what was that like for you shooting in the, in the tank and that brief experience on the, on the water? In the tank, it was like months and months after we finished filming, so we had to kind of get back into it and like get back into the characters' heads, which was, I was very worried about, but hopefully it turned out alright. All the water is the hardest thing I've ever done in that. Yeah. 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 Britain in, in the um, in the 
Um, and it, I think what's a shame is that, like the way that cinema has gone and Netflix works, is that it's all kind of trying to train it to like algorithm and what, you know, what is clickbait effectively. And so you get this kind of homogenized, but like fluff effectively. And, and do you know, and people, you know, going, going, spending a night going to the cinema to watch a film like this. You know, you, go, you do go to the cinema for escapism, and you know, so to make a decision to go and watch something like this is, is you know, is 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 a bold one. And I well, I think, you know, if, if with people less go, less and less go to the cinema, less and less, you, I don't know, these sort of films begin to get lost because they they they're not, you know, they're, they're not marketable, and that's kind of I guess what happens to everything when, you, you know, the arts get taken out. Um, but, I don't know, I think, I, you know, there's, it's lively kicking, there's amazing, so many amazing directors and writers in Britain today who all want to make films, you know, not that are just genre-based um, stuff, basically. So, yeah, and I think, yeah, I think actors like performing real characters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, um, yeah I, I think that it's a, it's obviously a social commentary that that goes back when we're talking about Alan Clark or Ken Loach, as you, you've, you've talked about, or, you know, Lynn Ramsey, or even Joanna Hogg. You know, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have to just be working class, hard-hitting stories to do with poverty and benefits. It's character, it's people, it's the, in the detail. And I think that's what actors are, are, are attracted to to directors and writers who have a vision, actually, and have a, co a confidence in what they want to say. Um, but I think with the political climate, we actually do need more uh, films made that have a voice and a vision about what is being you know, a mirror to society. Whatever that is, whatever your mirror is, it still needs to be told, and, and we'll, we'll be there if, if the parts are there. But, you know, we, we just, we need more regional <coughs> theatre and more regional film, actually and more cinemas like this across the country getting more funding and more support within journalism as well, people writing about it more, making it more accessible. I don't know how much it costs to come here. I, I live in Derbyshire, but you know, it's beautiful and nice big seats, but it, it's not for everyone, is it? So it's like making cinema, I don't know if it is, but, I don't know if it is. <laughs> but making it more accessible as well. And talking about it on the, you know, the social media aspect, I, I'm not involved in that, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just it's vitally important to continue to tell stories like this about people like this up there on the screen because I think what Tom has achieved it is about an underclass or whatever you want to call it but what he's achieved is he's, he's made it beautiful he's made it cinematic and to me, these characters' lives don't feel small in any respect. You know, it's about the tiny, I mean, I have to say, the, the tiny moments in this film just sort of break my heart. There's a moment in the back of the coach where she puts the lipstick on and gives him a kiss. Just tiny little moments, nuggets like that um, sort of transcend anything for me, really. And I think we should continue to always strive and find a place for stories like this. Um, one little note I wanted to mention as well. 
tragedy of the film, and the film obviously tackles very heavy hitting subject matter as well. But that final flick of the B side <laughs> is incredibly cathartic. And can you talk about that and sort of ending the film on a, on a note of hope? Because I was the entire movie, I was I was on tenterhooks uh, with that. Yeah, I mean it. When I, when I wrote it, it kind of you don't really know how it's going to pay off. As like end, ending films in an edit, you know, it's 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 sort of you know, it's like where do I cut this off? Where do I cut this off? Like, and I think I I I shot I shot another shot which you know this kind of alternative kind of ending. Um, but no, it just I mean it, it spoke it spoke it spoke about the characters. It spoke about the family moving forward. Um, to, to the audience, he's saying peace, which is something. But yeah, no, fantastic. A great wish to end. Uh, I should mention as well that obviously this night was brought to you in partnership with the, the charity Our, Our Time. You can find out more about them at ourtime.org.uk. Uh, and of course, uh, Tuba Joy. I forgot to ask for the title and where that came from actually. Did you? Uh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh, Tuba Joy is out on VOD, all digital platforms on Monday. So do spread the word. Okay, people, so, um, yeah, we're close to the end of another episode. Um, all right, so remember to check the final girls, We Are The Weirdos, that will play, be playing at the BFI on Saturday, and um, there's going to be other screenings around the country. Check the bio for... Um, yeah, that, like, all the information, it will be in the description of the episode. Or go listen to episode 17 and you'll get the full rundown. Alright, so, a little news and then we're done. Um, Ned Benson, who, um, who wrote The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, he is rewriting the Black Widow script. Um, Jack Schufer, um he recently did the first draft um, yeah so we're going to get a second draft Kate Shortland is still attached to direct and Scarlett Johansson is still attached to star uh, so yeah um, I think things are moving ahead I mean it'll, it'll probably go into production soonish I'd imagine Probably before the end of the year. So, yeah, I think we could be seeing Black Widow sometime next year. Uh, Alright, and look, we do it every week. So, we're going to be doing it again um, with your little June update. So, the new, uh, the new character that's been cast is Duncan Idaho. Who's the Atreides family swordmaster? Um, you know what I mean. He works closely with Duke Leto, and then he goes on to protect um, Paul. Uh, and playing that character is gonna be Jason Momoa. You know, which I think is an interesting 
yeah, definitely an interesting take. You know what I mean? I, I, I'd have said that Momoa would definitely have been perfect back in his Game of Thrones days and when he made the Conan film. He's a lot bulkier now, so I don't know if that really... Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, oh, that's a swordsman. You know what I mean? Because he's too bulky. But, hey, it's an interesting look. So it could definitely work. We'll have to wait and see. Not disappointed. Um, and also, yep, there's two castings this week. David Dash Dast McCallan. He was in Ant Man and the Dark Knight. He's going to be playing Peter Devere's, who's the loyal servant of. Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. He's played by Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, yeah. And, oh, like, Navir is, he, he's a, a pivotal role in the film. So, God damn it, I am looking forward to this so much, man. This cast is looking pretty incredible. Um, but, yeah, that is it this week. Um, people, enjoy movies and I'll see you next week. Peace.